News Radio KMAN, your home for K-State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. What up, what up? It is a Tuesday. And for some reason, I'm alone in this room. You got me at least. That is true. I do have AJ to lean on today. Mitch is off to Kansas City, so that takes him out of the mix. DG is in D.C., which poses all kinds of interesting discussion topics for the future. I mean, honestly, can you imagine DG saying hi at the White House to the president? (sighs) I'm not even going to think about that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Troy Coverdale. He's A.J. Shaw. We're going to carry you through for the uh, next couple of hours this afternoon here on The Game. And thanks for joining us. Before we dig too deep into it, uh, baseball, afternoon baseball underway. And Houston is out to a three, make that a four-nothing lead. They put a four spot up in the first against the Twins this afternoon in Minneapolis. Those poor Twin fans just can't catch a break at home ever. At least they got a postseason win, though. I'm True. just happy for them on that. True. And and they did win their series in Minneapolis, and that's fine. I'm just saying, you know, this game was effectively at least over when it started, when Houston put the four up, and they're in the bottom of the third now. And the Twins have a threat, but doesn't look like they'll get much out of it in this inning. That said, uh, the other ALDS that gets underway in a bit tonight is the Rangers back home at Globe Life Field, literally for the first time in two weeks. Yeah, um, if you want to talk about a reason to switch the playoff format, look at Baltimore and L.A. And we thought Atlanta, but then they came back last night. So, Mm -hmm. you know, pulling off, Baltimore's got to win tonight. Well... The, the point, though, on changing the playoff format, not so fast, my friend. It's one year. Yeah. It, it, this is the first year of this format. It hasn't had a chance to marinate any. It's just been a couple of odd hiccups and the stupidity of the Dodgers in throwing Clayton Kershaw <laughs> in a game one. I mean, the unfortunate reality was they had nobody else. And then you thought, OK, well, Bobby Miller, he's had a good year. And then he goes out and gets five outs. All of that money they spend, all of those wins that they rack up. And yeah, they flame it out in the playoffs once again. That said, speaking of flameouts, the question du jour today as we break open this one. Where do the Cats go from here? This afternoon, we heard from coaches and players their weekly to-do out at the Veneer Football Complex as the aftermath of last Friday night's loss at Oklahoma State still lingers in the air. Losing 29-21 to Oklahoma State and really effectively not even looking like the offense was a part of the game for the first half. (laughs) There's a lot of carryover to this week, and it's going to be interesting to see what the response is. It it wasn't pretty, we'll put it that way, when everybody convened on Saturday. Uh, No, it was not. Mainly because we we know we can be better. 
um, and um, collectively. And there really wasn't any finger pointing because I think all phases need to be better. All positions within the units can be better. The other aspect of that that the head coach brought up, and we'll dig more into his comments coming up next hour, coaching needs to be better as well. And I highlighted this on Saturday morning when going through the numbers from the game because, to me, they told a very big part of the story. 15 completions on the night on Friday night for Will Howard, who, by the way, has the dreaded vote of confidence from his coaches and his teammates, and we'll hear from Will coming up next segment. 15 receptions by members of his own team. 15 completions. Of those, the majority went to two players combined. Neither of them are wide receivers. Philip Brooks and Ben Sinnott. No, not Philip Brooks. Okay, well, Sinnott. DJ Giddens. Oh, okay, DJ Giddens. Were the top two receivers at Oklahoma State. And DJ had 28 yards receiving and Ben had 39. Combined, they had seven of the 15 the rest of the wide receiver core only four other players caught passes (laughs) not going to win games when you do that and therein lies a point that has been discussed on this show previously has been something in fact that dave g and i both have highlighted this wide receiver core has a need to establish itself and it has not done so after five games philip brooks is averaging over five receptions a game you wouldn't want that from phil yes ben sinnott is averaging four receptions a game beyond that nobody has more than 20 receptions dj giddens at 16 And then you drop to 14 for Jaden Jackson. R.J. Garcia has 11. And Keegan Johnson, who has appeared in four games, is only getting the ball twice a game right now. And I think back to the UCF contest. And we talked about it with Mason Voth the week following because he did the math on the size of the wide receiver's for every team in the conference. But you have the Will Howard interception on a pass that he's trying to get to Keegan Johnson, and the defensive back literally just bumps Johnson off the ball, muscles him off the ball. You don't have any size at the receiver position. That's a problem. You don't have any size at the receiver position. You don't have any speed that is putting them beyond their opponents. Nobody is breaking into the open unless they miss runner out, Phillip Brooks, um, you know, a go route down the sideline as opposed to a curl route is going to end in a pick every time, mm-hmm. uh, almost every time. And this this team has to find a way to get wide receivers open because they are not world class sprinters. They are not, well, for lack of a better word, Calvin Johnson. Nobody's Megatron, though. No. <laughs> but I, I get your point. I but get your in point. terms of muscular ability, mm-hmm. 
being able to go to the ball and fight off a defensive back. Name me one wide receiver out of this group. Benson, it doesn't count. He's a fullback slash tight end. I can't name one. Exactly. And so it has to be done in scheming. And the schemes right now aren't helping the matter out at all. At all. There are no opportunities for these guys to get open. Some of Will Howard's problem with interceptions this year has been trying to thread the needle to get the ball into a tight window because defensive backs are right there with the intended receiver. Exactly, and you're 100% right when you say that. And I'll give Will credit. I mean, he came out and admitted after the game on Friday, and Mitch and Wyatt played it on their show yesterday. You know, he took responsibility. But in the end, it comes down to those 11 men on offense that have to make plays. They're not doing it right now. One of the things that Chris Kleiman did note today in the discussion, and and in many ways, the discussion to me was reminiscent of last year post-Tulane. And that is an assessment of his own coaching staff and a discussion of the greater we as a staff and going over where improvement needs to take place. And he's not putting it all on his offensive coordinator, Colin Klein. He still has all of the faith in him. But it highlights that you get so used to, at times, just expecting people to make plays, a la Deuce Vaughn, that you maybe don't scheme the same way when you're putting together your game plan. The challenge is being able to scheme when you don't have the Jimmies and Joes. Exactly. To borrow the old adage. You have to be able to X's and O's when you are not tremendously more talented than your opponent. The scheme becomes the game. It has to for you. You absolutely have to approach it that way, and that's where K-State has had its success over the years of course. for the majority of it because and, and that for, for all of our pride on talking about, yeah, we take two- and three-star players and we coach them up. That means you have to scheme. On top of everything else, you have to scheme it right. And you have to ensure that also, let's be perfectly honest, and Coach admitted to this being an issue, don't pay attention to the noise. That's very important. Don't very pay, important. Don't pay attention to the outside noise. And there was a lot of it. At well, the stadium and after the game. There has been a lot of it preseason. True. There has been a lot of it off season. Yes. And I'm not talking about the negative noise. I'm talking about the positive noise. You also have to push that aside. True. Absolutely. And this team has not been able to do it. Great. You won the conference title a season ago. You played in the Sugar Bowl. That's a season ago. But it doesn't matter anymore now. It's a new year and you got to move on. But you also have got to be able to move on and not listen to the fans who are putting expectations on you based on what was accomplished last year. Of course. And that's where 
I think that this team, from a mental standpoint, hit a hiccup. I would agree. I think I think you're absolutely right when you say that. They let the expectations get to them, and they also, I think, didn't prepare enough for the environment at Oklahoma State. I mean, we've been talking about it now. It's a place that Chris Kleiman is winless at. He's now 0-3 in Stillwater. That's a tough place to play. I predicted going into this season that that would be the place where K-State suffered its first loss of the year. Now, they lost at Missouri to shoot that bet out of the air, but literally, I had that one marked on the calendar when we sat in this booth and laid out where we thought each team was going to suffer that first loss because we went through and were trying to determine who was the team that was going to go undefeated the longest in conference play, in the conference. And I'm guessing Oklahoma was not up there, at least before the season. Correct. And in fact, I, I I should have brought the schedule in with me because I have highlighted my picks and and held them off to the side. You know, I didn't expect Texas to get through Alabama, no. I did not have them being unbeaten after week two. But here they are with just the one loss. Oklahoma, no. I no, I didn't see that happening. I don't think anybody expected KU to be in the position they're in right now as well. Which is a, another discussion topic in and of itself. It is amazing what confidence can do. How long that's going to hold Absolutely. remains to be seen. They were helped out by, well, a decidedly, I hate to call them average, but they're an okay football team. UCF's an okay football team. They're not, they're not great. They do some things well. They're also, for the most part, playing with a backup quarterback right now. Well, they definitely played better against us than they did against KU. That's also because they didn't try to play rotating quarterbacks. Exactly. Against us. Exactly. And it didn't go well for them on Saturday against Kansas. That said, K-State as a squad, as a coaching staff, as a team, as a program as a whole, Going into Texas Tech this weekend has an awful lot of work to do to get the mental state right. A year ago, we saw how it played after the Tulane loss. My, did it play beautifully at Oklahoma. This isn't Oklahoma that the Cats are facing on Saturday night. But it is still one of the most hostile environments, and it's a night game in Lubbock. Oh, boy, are the Denzians going to be liquored up. (laughs) They will be well lubricated before kickoff in Lubbock because it is, after all, Lubbock. And so it's going to be a wild night. Oh, no doubt. It's going to be be bigger than Oklahoma State, I feel. If you weren't ready for Friday night at Oklahoma State, okay, you've got an extra day, but what are the steps you're taking to make sure that you're ready for that night in Lubbock. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What steps can you take to get ready for that? Those are the things that are on the plate of the K-State coaching staff this week as they get ready for this matchup on Saturday night. And I hate to say that it is the biggest game of the season for the Wildcats, but at this point, it is definitely a crossroads game. Absolutely. For and, K-State. And to me, 
I don't know if we can compare it to that, but it feels to me a lot like the first TCU game as well. In a sense that you went into a hostile place. TCU, yeah, you had a lead, but you lost that first game in conference when you were sitting on a pretty good high at sitting at three and one coming off your bye. You know, to me, this feels a lot like, like you said, the Oklahoma game and also a little bit of the Oklahoma State game, maybe. Maybe even the Baylor game after the loss to Texas. Hard to believe that we are at this point once again, and yet it shouldn't be hard to believe that. It is, after all, college football. But for all of the confidence that we had as prognosticators and the like, for all of our confidence, well, the game plays different. No matter how you want to look at it, the game winds up playing different all the time, it seems. Never make a prediction on a K-State game. Only if I'm feeling adventurous. Understand completely. (laughs) Understand completely. Not one of my favorite things to do, but I still did go 4-2 and last week. I'll take that. You're on a nice run of late, by the way. Uh, Yeah, hey, that's that's a plus 7 right now in the standings. I'll take that. Absolutely. Fans got to do some work. I'm kidding. They're not bad behind me. Cough, cough, Mitch. For- <laughs> uh, well, I wasn't going to wasn't going to go there. We'll talk about that. I'm sure on Thursday. <laughs> Actually, I'm out on Thursday. Uh, hopefully, for a final time regarding a mm, certain dentist appointment. Uh, but beyond that, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mitch in Vegas will be back on Thursday as part of the preparation for Saturday night as we get you ready for the Cats and Texas Tech. When we continue, we hear from the quarterback. And again, he had that position reiterated by his head coach today. We hear from Will Howard from earlier this afternoon in a moment. Are you cheering for the Astros or what? It's hard, man. I can't. You had impeccable timing. Alex Bregman just homered. I don't even have the game on in here. I have ESPN on. I'm watching hockey right now. He's he's in the middle of his home run trot, and you're playing Sandstorm. Oh, my God. Troy and AJ back with you on the game this afternoon on News Radio KMAN. Uh, Houston, top of the fifth, leading 5 nothing over the Twins. Who's on the mound for Houston? I didn't check. Uh, oh, brother. You would ask me that. Uh, because Sonny Gray has basically been uh, a torch today. Let's see here. Oh, boy. I love Sonny Gray, though. I was a big fan of his at Vandy. Well, yeah. It isn't panning out. Javier. Yeah. Uh, there you go. So, uh so it looks like the Astros are going to gain one here because they're out to that, uh, unless something miraculous happens along the lines of what the Braves were able to pull off last night. Speaking of miraculous, yes, we may be at the miraculous end of the years-long investigation by the NCAA into the Kansas basketball program. That's according to Sports Illustrated. I may need to make a phone call or two. <laughs> It just so happens that the former president at the university I used to call games for is on the infractions committee. Oh, my goodness. She is much more 
um, she is much more qualified to be on the infractions committee as an attorney than she ever was as president of the university, but we'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, uh, since 2017, this has been going on. Six-year investigation, jeez. We could learn as soon as Wednesday, according to Sports Illustrated. And yet the school still wears Adidas. I'm just saying. Money must be good. <clears throat> as we continue on the game. Let's bring it back to K-State football. As the Cats get themselves ready for the matchup on Saturday at Texas Tech, a lot of what was swirling around online on Friday night and in the time frame after has been the usual, and I have never understood completely, why Will Howard has become such a target for fans to hate on. Because, yes, okay, it hasn't, played the way that everybody would expect uh, at every point. But you're also still looking at a college kid who's got a pretty good arm. Exactly. Who's got a pretty good head on his shoulders. Yep. And, by the way, happens to love this university. Yeah, I know. There are times. I get it. I understand it. But there are some folks that they, at the throw of a hat, they're ready to get rid of Will at quarterback. And boy, were they loud on Friday online. Oh, geez. Just always. I, I'm not even going to get into it. I just don't want to. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> For his credit, again, Howard took responsibility in the postgame conversation. He addressed the media again today, talking about the situation going into this weekend's matchup with Texas Tech. What's your daily routine been like since the last game? What all have you been doing? I mean, I came in, got some extra throws on Sunday, and um, other than that, it's just been the normal routine. Can't change anything about what we're doing. You know, obviously, had an off game last week. I feel like, you know, we just kind of um, had a little had a, had a slip up, obviously. Have to clean some things up. Um, and, you know, but, but it's not, you know, the sky's not falling. You know, it, I feel like, Especially offensively, we were playing pretty good football up until that point. But, uh, you know, some of the mistakes that we were making and things kind of came a little bit into culmination and just kind of ate at us a little bit. Um, and it kind of, I don't want to say came all, all out at the same time, but like, um, you know, that was that was the worst I've played in since my freshman year, probably. Um, but, I mean, I feel like up until that point, um, you know, this year I feel like I've been playing you know, well, I don't think I've been playing my best, but, you know, personally, and I think as a team, we could all say the same thing. So, um, you know, nothing's nothing's changing drastically, but definitely a mindset switch a little bit, um, you know, kind of a snap back to reality a little bit and um, just got to focus on the inside noise and not the outside noise. How difficult was it to go back and watch that? Uh, it was tough just because a lot of the things that happened in that game were on us, right? And it was just in our control. You know, I, I've I say it over and over to the guys. It's, you know, I, I truly believe that you know there's no team out there that can beat us. We're the only ones that can do that. And if we're not playing to our standard, then anyone can beat us. Um, so, you know, we just gotta gotta get back to to what we were doing and uh, get back to having fun with it a little bit. I think we need to just play a little more free. What does focusing on the inside noise instead of the outside noise mean to you? 
to me, it's just focusing on the people that matter. Um, and there's a lot of things that, that, you know, even coming into the season, good or bad, that were said about us, um, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't matter and that isn't stuff that we need to, to be tuned into. And, you know, obviously people are free to say what they want and, and do and whatever what they please. But, um, you know, to the people in this building, um, you know, the voices that really matter are, are us. And the, the people that we need to listen to are the people that, you know, we love and we care about and that are in this building and that, um, you know, we have that strong bond with. And like I said, and people can say what they want and, you know, they're, they're free to do that and, you know, bring it on. But, you know, we just got to remember what, what is important and remember that, you know, the people in this building are, we are, we determine what we're going to do. And, you know, if we, if we listen to anything outside of that, then, you know, that's, that's not going to help us at all. Is this an opportunity for you? It seems like you guys have thrived, kind of backs against the wall in the past. Yeah, I, I think it's great. Um, you know, obviously it's not the, the way we wanted to, to do that. But, um, you know, I think it kind of reminds us that, you know, anything can happen and that, you know, we have to still have that same hunger that we did, um, especially last year. You know, like I feel like we, we were the underdogs in every sense of the word and, and, you know, had that fire every game. And I think we got to get back to that and just remember that, um, you know, that's that's what got us there and playing free and loving the game and having fun and, and not putting so much pressure on ourselves and listening to the, the, the expectations that people have for us because that doesn't matter. Have you heard any good advice from friends, other quarterbacks in the last couple of days? I mean, yeah, just to block out the noise and, and focus on the people that matter and, and that's my family and my teammates and my coaches and my friends and, and, and make sure that, uh, you know, Keep your head up because the thing is, you know, everybody has an off game and, you know, I can't let it affect my confidence at all and I'm not going to. I know that I'm capable of playing way better than I did and I know that I have some things to fix and, you know, that's that's that. It's, it's nothing, nothing deeper than that. I can't let this affect me beyond today. Will Howard again addressing the media earlier today out of the Veneer football complex and honestly right alongside of all of the things that friends and family were mentioning and suggesting. Uh, I would add, delete your social media apps. <laughs> just, you know, just go ahead and, and will just, if you have them on your on your iPhone or your Android, just go ahead and dump those, let those be, other than the ones that you have to have specifically for messaging among your boys. <laughs> I mean, but I think you made a great point earlier. I mean, this is a guy who has gone through a lot of criticism in his college career, sometimes warranted, most of the time unwarranted. But he never puts his head down. He always has his head up. He's looking forward to the next week. I mean, you just got to love the humility that he has as a talent. I mean, he knows he's going to get out of this. He knows he's not been playing great, but he knows that he's got a team and he's got a support staff behind him that's going to help him. One of the things that is, it's social media centric, but it's also just in general how fan bases view games. And how we've been conditioned to watch games. If you're just watching. And especially when it comes to needing someone to blame. Or someone to praise. It's the quarterback. And this is one of the issues with how the NFL has become so absolutely quarterback centric. And we've seen it in the college game. And who wins the Heisman every year at this point? Quarterback. 
You got it. Exactly. It's become all about the quarterback. Never mind the support staff. Never mind the the other personnel. I mean, forget about the offensive line. Never mind that the defense has done X, Y, and Z. And sure as heck, forget that the other team is doing some things out there as well. And as one coach put it very bluntly in, in my days uh, with the college team, hey, those guys are on scholarship too. It's easy to not go through that in your head. It's easy to put the blame in one spot. And the quarterback gets it. Almost every time. Says the guy talking through the glass at a Bears fan. Oh, my God. (laughs) You had to go there. Truth hurts. It doesn't hurt. It's re- I, I don't feel anything. I know ah, I know you're right. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Oh, shoot. When we continue, we hear from the defensive side of the ball. The Cats were okay defensively in some areas the other night. I, I still say that they played better than maybe you think they did because giving up five field goals takes a lot of work, actually, and performing well. Bend but don't break. We'll hear from Mark. Continuing on the game, Troy Coverdale, A.J. Shaw with you this afternoon. Mitch Fortner out. He did leave us a little present for the next hour, though. Going to be fun. Absolutely. I mean, when when you get the opportunity to sit down and chat with a world champion, you do so. And Mitch did just that. Then he's off to watch that world champion (laughs) perform tonight. As uh, the AEW event is taking place tonight. Interesting little twist, by the way. You know, because you know it's Mitch's gag. Uh, It's Wednesday. You know what the... Okay. Anyway, tonight, though, is AEW, and they're live uh, at Independence. And they're not normally on Tuesday night. They're head-to-head tonight with WWE Next because of the baseball playoffs. Got it. Okay with the NLDS games scheduled for tomorrow. That's TBS territory. And as such, yeah, that (laughs) pushes wrestling over to tonight. And so uh, interesting little head-to-head being talked about in the business uh, as to who will draw the better audience tonight. Chris Jericho joins Mitch for a a segment coming up in the next hour. We also, next hour, will hear some more from head coach Chris Kleiman as the Cats get ready for Texas Tech this weekend and look to rebound from the loss on uh, this past Friday night at Oklahoma State. One of the critiques that coach had in postgame the other night was about the lack of turnovers being forced by his team's defense. Marcus Siegel would be one of those players that you would like to see maybe be able to slip in and get a pickoff some point soon. As of this point uh, this year, he's got two pass breakups and has 23 tackles. That's good for fourth on the team. But the defense is is not coming away with uh, game-changing plays right now. 
even though they did a good job the other night at keeping Oklahoma State from the end zone, Siegel was uh, to address the media earlier today. What do you tell a team after, after a loss like that when you speak to them? That the season's not over. We still have all our goals still ahead of us, especially as you see watching Texas loss. Nobody thinks their season's over, so our season's just like theirs. You blocked that field goal really easily down there. What what opened up so easily for you to get in front of that? From the first field goal, I seen an opening in there, so I was trying to get our coaches to call it earlier. And so once they finally called it, I knew it was my time to step up. But I was mad. I had another opportunity. I didn't. I, at that certain moment, I wanted to let, feel I should have laid out, and I felt I should have got two of them during that game. Back to the Oklahoma State game is the defense. Are you proud that you hold them to six field goal attempts, or are you angry that you let them in the red zone that many times? I mean, everybody knows the mean field goals don't get you beat, but when you give up early points, putting your offense in a hole, that's a little tough when you let the field goal or the touchdowns happen first, then the field goals. So I feel it's good to happen, but I feel we can do better. What are you hearing from some of the guys who have, who have been here for several years? Stay patient because they come from a, where they came from when it first got here. It wasn't like it is now. Everybody didn't have these expectations we have now. So it's just like stay. our goals are still the goals at the end of the day. And stay motivated, stay with that drive, and keep going. What's the most losses you had at North Dakota State in the season? I'll probably say two, two or three probably during that spring season. We probably had three that year. How difficult has that been an adjustment for you to uh, now trying to, to bounce back from a couple of losses? Or? Definitely. It definitely fills my or fuels my fire just because I'm not used to losing like this. And even though the season's still ahead of us, I'm, I never want to lose a game. I'm, my competitive drive wants me to win each game, each um, matchup, each one-on-one. So it's definitely been hard, but it's motivation. Has Coach Kleiman been a little bit harder on you guys this week than usual? Most definitely, just because... He knows we can play better. We know we can play better, and we haven't been living up to the expectations we had during the beginning of the season. And I feel we have a level of play we haven't even reached yet. I feel he wants us to get us there. We want to get there. Is there a teamwork aspect from the secondary as far as improvement goes and trying to play better than you guys have for the first five games? Yeah, during practice, we're trying to learn to – even if it's practice, we don't even want the scout team members to catch a ball. I feel that's our mindset, so we can train that for a game to limit the explosive plays. What's your breakdown of Texas Tech? I'll say they're a well-rounded team. I feel they come in hungry just because they have a couple losses just like us. They still have more to prove just like Oklahoma State. They had a couple losses, but they came. Each game's going. they're going to bring their all just because of who we are. When Coach Klein was in here, he said that he thinks you're playing like one of the best DBs in the Big 12. What does that mean to you to know that he has that confidence in you? It means a lot to me, but... It's still, I still have room for improvement. I feel I can take my game to another level, and I feel I'm definitely praised about it just because back a year ago I wouldn't expect it to be like it, it is now. So I just want to keep raising my game and keep leveling the play so I can be one of the top or number one safeties in this um, league. Siegel is picked up of his 23 tackles, 18 solos. That's huge. That's incredible. That's a great number for him. He and Kobe Savage, in fact, uh, both right there in the – Teens, upper teens, nearing 20 solo tackles each going into week number six of the campaign. Uh, goal lamp lit in uh, Pittsburgh. Tampa is on the board. The first goal of the NHL season, Nikita Khrushchev. No, I'm kidding. Not, <laughs> not, not, not Khrushchev. You know better, folks. Come on. It, yeah. Kucherov comes away with the first goal of the NHL season. Yes, that's opening tonight on top of everything else that is going on in the sports world. Three, three, count them, three college football games tonight. 
Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we continue. One final thought for this. Back on the game, Troy Coverdale, AJ Shaw today. DG is in D.C. cavorting with the bigwigs on Capitol Hill. I'm keating. I'm keating. They may need a new speaker there. (laughs) DG for Speaker of the House. Why is it I just had the video, the uh, image of (laughs) the image of the president in idiocracy? (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I just it just it's what came to mind it's not a dig on dg at all oh i'll never live that one down will i hmm it, it, yeah anyway terry cruz was stellar by the way in that role he he was he was very good fantastic so this morning brandon and i were discussing a little bit of slang as per each state there were some items that were brought up And people were asked what it means in terms of slang. And they're things that are completely different than what people thought they were. For example, if you mention Sloppy Joe in South Dakota, what do you think of? I'm blanking right now because I'm stupid. Well, the sandwich, (laughs) you know, Sloppy Joe. No, a Sloppy Joe in South Dakota is a tavern. Oh, okay. Makes sense. Yeah, those types of things. And included in the list was something to me that I was floored that more people don't understand the joke behind it. And know that it is what it is. If I say Blucifer, what comes to mind? Blucifer? Lucifer. Slang for what, however? What would you say that that is slang for? I... I... I'm not good when it comes to this stuff, man. <laughs> Put me on the spot here. Okay. Blucifer was thought by most people asked to be a blue devil. For those who have spent time in Colorado, we know Blucifer to be the rearing blue Mustang that has red eyes that light up at night, specifically, Mm-hmm. And sits outside of DIA at a curve in the road before you turn to go to the airport terminal. Gotcha. Blucifer earned the name in large part because not only does he have the red eyes, yes, he killed his a man. I'm not kidding. He killed the artist oh, before he finished. <laughs> the artist is working and the statue fell. You've got to be kidding me. I'm not kidding you. Wow. And so from day one, all kinds of discussion about jinxes and that he's the devil horse. And it fits right in with all of the conspiracy theories that surround the airport. I mentioned my buddy Scooter the other morning and loved the guy to death, but he was one of those who was into the New World Airport, New World Order Airport joke. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know, and the tunnels beneath and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Blucifer, keep an eye open for the rearing Mustang with the red eyes when you next go to Denver and are flying. Blucifer, 
consider yourselves educated now. Back with hour two, including a conversation with Chris Jericho of AEW. Sour on the game. Up next is Siegel when we continue on the game. On the game.